0: hey everybody how y'all doing welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast everybody's homegirl with me your favorite host tracy cats today on the show i have alice ward alice is a licensed professional counselor at transformation begins within pllc she has 15 years of experience as a mental health therapist and mental health educator Her focus is self-awareness and self-awakening through transformative thinking by taking steps to look in the mirror and start from within. Alice's goal is to assist each individual with identifying, processing, and taking steps toward healing, wholeness, and wellness. She is passionate about guiding individuals on a journey of discovering and rediscovering the masterpiece within. Dallas is a mental and emotional renovator. She challenges and encourages individuals to color outside the lines. I met her at a fitness and spiritual healing seminar in Dallas, Texas in April, and I was extremely impressed with her expertise, passion, personality, and her desire to make sure that Black women take care of themselves from the inside out. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, Alice Ward. Stay tuned and enjoy.
1: Hey, Alice. Hey, Tracy. How are you? What? I'm I'm better. I, I, before I got on this call, not so much, but I am better in my moment of transparency. I was a little perturbed before I got on, so oh. I had to proof and center myself so I could be present for you in this space.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hope the rest of your week was good. You've had a good week so far.
1: Yeah, for, yeah, for the most part, it was really fun. I had a conference. Um, I was at oh, attending okay. a Wave Conference. It was for youth through young adult age. It's actually um sponsored or hosted by Texas um Baptist or African American Ministry. Okay. Wave conference. So I actually got to speak there on um self love to some some youth and some young adults. Then I was able to do like we do like a girl talk um as well on Wednesday. So yeah, for the most part, my week has really been been a blessing. It's some little bumps. Today was a little bumpy, but overall it's been well. It
0: happens. I'm glad it's better <laughs> now, and that you had a good week overall. I guess I should introduce you to my listeners today on the show. I have Alice Ward. She's a licensed professional counselor, supervisor, and really today is my first time really, really talking to you. I met you at Friendship West in April. Um, My friend Ava, she uh, brought me, she was like, Cass, let's go to this conference. And y'all talked about spiritual, the connection between spiritual fitness and physical fitness. And I was just so impressed that I was like, "Oh, I need to have her on the show. And Ava turned around, Cass, you need to have her on the show. I'm like, you're right. And then my crazy self forgot and got busy and you reached back out to me and say, Hey, you remember we met at the um, panel about the podcast? And I was like, yes. So thank you for doing that. And so I hope today on the show that we have a good conversation just about mental health and black women, and just different things that I kind of thought of, because I've had a male therapist on, I haven't had a female, well, a woman, I hate to say female, it sound so disconnected, but a, a, a woman, and I wanted to bring you on just to pick your brain a little bit, but the things I have learned about you, you are LPC supervisor, you own your own business, you are a Grambling graduate, alumni, Hi. HBCU grad, and a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. Got Always for- got to shout out to D9 because you know I got the Delta, I gotta hold it down. All right, but all right, I want to make sure <laughs> you know that your stars know you are represented.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: So, if I want you to add, you tell me what you, what you want the listeners to know. Anything so else?
1: I, yeah, for sure. I, I just had a few more. Uh, things this normally is awkward having people talk about me and then asking me to talk about myself and people <laughs> know me know how much I love to talk about myself but in spaces like this I'm like oh, I don't want to do too much but I'll just add I have been a therapist for 15 years okay. I've been practicing therapy for 15 years I'm in my I have a private practice that I've been blessed to start three years ago actually at the beginning of the pandemic um I've started a, a rare a, a myriad of populations from juveniles to foster care to working professionals working with you know cps um so i so i'm kind of i've had my hand in a few um different things i've also worked with individuals with learning disabilities as well as intellectual disabilities as well and so i've i've kind of had my hand in a little bit of everything but my my niche is really for sure mental health and i started with the love and i still have a passion for sure for teenagers but it has shifted as I have progressed in my profession to more young adults, to older, mid, um, older adults. And so, but I get to do this every day. Love what I do, love helping um, individuals and getting to be in space and take this journey with them. I do believe it's very um, important to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I have a niche for, for merging spiritual and mental health together and not keeping it separate because so many people think that they are separate we're integrated beings. And so I do my best to interconnect those two, along with humor when I get a chance and so I I just love serving and being able to be a part of people's journey toward healing
0: okay good you have a wealth of experience I um so I'm gonna touch on hopefully especially the spiritual connection between therapy and um Christianity let's start here um why did you become a therapist
1: because it was God uh assigned should Mm. I so I actually went to to lost my so my lifelong dream was to be a lawyer mm-hmm. and fourth grade that's all i wanted to do all my life and so henceforth i went to law school um was on, on that journey to do that thing and it that thing didn't work so i was like okay well i just go to paralegal school so i went in have my paralegal certification so surely i'm going to get in this thing somehow but nothing was shaking for me and so just one day um, i was like okay lord nothing's happening in my life what what we doing and so I was earning my clothes on my way to go to work. And I got a call from the director from the counseling department at Dallas Baptist University asking me, um, she said, I got your application. And I was like, from where? <laughs> because I had never heard of Dallas Baptist. I didn't even know about masters in counseling program. None of this stuff and still to this day, I'm still trying to scratch my head and say, I would really love to see that application because <laughs> really I don't recall uh, and I say that because if I would have gotten my master's originally, it would have been in public administration. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I did have a you know, an ideal of wanting to get my master's, but not in counseling. Mm-hmm. It was I was at this point, nothing really was going on in my life. So I was like, you know what? I might as well. What do I have to lose? Let me try this thing out. So she's like, well, just come down and check us out. So I did. Um, and so then I was like, you know, well, let me go ahead and enroll in the counseling program, and which which I did. And since then... It has been um, life-changing for me, for sure. And so this was not my idea. This was God's idea. I take no credit for anything that comes from me being a therapist. It's really all God. It's not me at all. This is not my vision board. It was not my plan for life. I didn't even know people got paid to do counseling.
0: Wow.
1: So for for all this to be taking place and for all the doors to have opened up for me, I know that this was God-led. You know, for sure. And so I was just really at a place that I didn't really have anything rocking for me. So I was like, OK. And so it was easy for me to give God a yes because nothing else was going on you know, in my life. So I just tried to see what he was talking about. And henceforth, 15 years later, I'm out here still doing it. But it was not my ideal. So let me say that I cannot take no credit mm-hmm. at all.
0: I was going to ask you, why did you, because I, you know, I listened to you talk on a podcast. um I can't remember what it was. It was on YouTube and you did talk about this being your God given assignment. And I want to know, like, how does that show up like daily? Is it still showing up? Do you still feel that way? Like what kind of um uh, other signs has he given you to know that? Because, you know, sometimes we can know a thing and then we, we start, we start to question. You yeah. know, like did did I really follow the right path? How has he confirmed? Like, no, you're in the right direction.
1: Over and over again, and every every day almost someone will come up to me and say, um something, someone will will do something, let me um, you know, know that I'm on the on the right, you know, track. And even just sometimes in just moments, just between me and the law, we're just kind of talking, you know, about other clients. He's like, hey, I've assigned you to this, but also the reason I know is because I have a story too. And so I often find my story often intertwined with my client's stories too. Separating them for sure, not bringing my stuff into their space, but just realizing that uh, we all have stories. And so when I get to hear their story, I'm like, wow, we really do have more in common than than not. And even just a quick, you know, story another more recent way is just people come up to me that I hadn't even seen in over a year, mm-hmm. and they was like, hey. I've been wanting to reach out to you because I want to start therapy. I've never started therapy before, but I really believe that this is really something that I want, um, you know, to do. And just the testimonies from, you know, my clients continue to affirm it. Then people were giving me referrals, continue to affirm it. And probably more recently, like a couple of months ago, I had the opportunity, even in spaces where I'm not doing therapy, but I get an opportunity to go and speak and share um, you know, on mental health, share on spiritual health and how they merge and talk about leadership and so forth. Well, just a couple months ago, I was given an opportunity to go and minister in Big Springs. And while I was there, um, I knew on my way there, the Lord told me I only was going for one person. I didn't know who that one person was. But when I got there, I did uh, soon find out who she was. And so to fast forward, she shared at the end um, with the with the group that she wanted to commit suicide. Oh, Said, but that day, she said, I saved her life by coming and by ministering. So that is one of the ultimate ways I would say, you know, that I know that I'm here to do this and out of act of obedience, you know, that I think that that continues to open up doors and, and of course, for sure, save the life. You know, just a couple of months ago. So that is it, you know, just two and just people lives around me, you know, mm-hmm. just being changed by me being there, just seeing other people in my circle, seeing them literally carry out things that they've learned through me, even in their own lives, tell me that it's, mm-hmm. it's God, you know, ordained, you know, for sure what I'm doing.
0: Okay, I did, you just touched on this a little bit, and I had it uh, scheduled to ask later in the uh, show, but I'm gonna ask it now, you talked about your experience at Thurgood Marshall, and that you wanted to be an attorney, but for whatever reason, you were not able to finish that you know, that journey, and you felt like a failure, like ashamed and stuff like that. Can you talk about that? But also, I want you to talk about how you were able to change that internal dialogue on the inside to to know, to start to speak positive over your life.
1: Okay.
0: And so it took me a
1: while. I didn't start out there for sure. I was in the Valley for a long time because Mm -hmm. that's all I set out to do in life was to be an attorney. First time, I would say academically, because I believe, you know, I, I love learning, love, you know, studying. And so I borderline consider myself a nerd, had never failed academically at all. So when this happened, this was really a blow. Um, but I realized it was a blow to my pride and my ego, mm-hmm. for sure, because I had told so many people. So so many people knew I was going to law school, said you would be great at being a lawyer. And so for that not to happen, I had to face those people. And they would ask me, so how is law school going? And so for a long time, I didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Probably probably for the first maybe five years when it happened, even when it would come up, I would start crying because I felt like, you know, I was a failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I didn't complete, you know, what I started. So I really started being down, you know, on, um, you know, myself and the things that I was telling um, myself. And I remember saying that, you know, I'm a failure. And I remember my mom because uh, I went home um, that summer, and I remember her telling me, "She's like, no, you're not a failure. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going, you know, to work out." And those were nice words, and I and I and they did work out. At the moment, though, I was like, "Yeah," because you're just supposed to say this because you're my mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, I was like, "Okay, well, I got to figure something else out." Still, the word is I. Mm-hmm. I never asked God even in the beginning if He wanted me to be an attorney. That was mm-hmm. just my idea and I just wanted God to accept my idea. <laughs> so with that, I was like, God gonna still, he gonna still get on board. And that's why I went back to a paralegal school. I went to a paralegal school mm-hmm. to convince God, this is what you created me, um, you know, to do. And so even with that, like I said, I saw it in paralegal school. I did well, I got a 4.0. So I was this in the same ballpark and I didn't do well, you know, um, in law school. And so with that, it took me a while to get to a place to say, Hey, in order to be successful, you also have to fail. Yes. And, and realizing being able to say just because you fail does not mean you're a failure. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn to separate my being from my doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that becomes important just because you fail. That's something that you did or you do being who you are. That's still separate from that. And so I, it, and so it took me so long just being around other people were probably settling in to, you know, probably when I started going to getting my master's is when I really realized. So probably fifth, maybe 18, 19 years ago is really when I settled into, uh, you know, what it's all right. And mm-hmm. this time, the reason why it works out is because God showed me what he wanted me to do. And it wasn't about me. It was about what he wanted, you know, for my life. And so some of it, I had to realize that, you know, in life, you might have your plans and the word says that, but God determines what that actually looks like. And so yes. I learned for sure that day, um, or throughout this process, I should say, that you should always submit whatever you want to do to God first. And you don't tell him what to do. You allow him to tell, you know, you um what he would like for you to do. And so with, with that, I struggled for years. I struggled because I was like, what are people going to say about me? What are people going to think about, mm-hmm. you know, you know me. And so it was just hard to face people mm-hmm. you know and so and, and and people will say i can't believe you did well how could that be possible and so because i didn't fill a class mm-hmm. i, I made passing grades you know but the difference I, and i missed about two tenths of a point or something so i didn't ever fill a class and so that's why i was like i don't want to say how this is even possible <laughs> you know you no know, right i'm like i passed all my classes so how do you pass all your classes and fail but it probably maybe seven or eight years ago the lord he he ministered me and he told me he it was his plan. He didn't want me to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. So really, he told he's like, no, you really did. You really should have went back to your second year. But I intervened because that was not my plan for you. That was not my purpose for you. Yeah. So I orchestrated that failing moment in your life, so you could see no one but me because you didn't see me when you were going through when life was good and you were succeeding. You was kind of on that plan of what you wanted your life to be. So really God interrupted my life with a filling moment because it really got my attention because mm-hmm. it's the complete opposite of what I'm used to doing. And so, you know, with that, I really learned that day, you know what, that God, he really does have a plan and a purpose. You know, for our life, we would just ask him. But it took me some time to just start getting to know myself. Mm-hmm. I was That's another way we talk about that internal dialogue, starting to pay attention to what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and realizing I was giving a lot of more emphasis on what other people thought about me. And so I really dealing with, you know, why are, why do you feel shame? Right. Why do you feel
0: guilt? Right. You also talk that in a dialogue, but also too, when you think that way that you start to speak that way. And when we speak that way, people, one of my friends, we fight all the time. Cause I tell all the time, you gotta be careful what you put out there. Even if you're just in observation, that negative thought manifest itself in some way <laughs> i know i sound crazy oh but God. i'm like stop speaking that stop it
1: and I, and I had no idea that all of those things mm-hmm. time, so some of it was speaking mm-hmm. negative, but a lot of it. i didn't even speak out loud i just mm-hmm. held it in mm-hmm. still, negative self-talk is just as harmful as you actually mm-hmm. ought to, mm-hmm. it to mm-hmm. someone so I, I had i struggled and still i often I, I told someone earlier today you know, when it comes to low self-esteem, most of my life I've struggled mm-hmm. with low self-esteem. And so I've learned I have to fight every day. It's a fight for me because low self-esteem and getting into that negative, you know, space, they they often become roommates with each other. Yeah. So I literally have to tell my every day, you're not going there. You're mm-hmm. not going to do that. So really speaking to myself and being aware when different things are going on that are pulling me down because I'm also the oldest of three. And so having a sister and a brother, you know, look up to me and I want them to, you know, think well and, you know, of me, too. And they didn't have nothing negative to say about me not going back, you know, um, know, to law school. But it was just what I was telling myself. And that's Mm -hmm. why we got to be very careful of what we think, because sometimes other people not even thinking it. Mm -hmm. You can literally put on to them what you're thinking yourself. So I really had to own my own stuff. And I had Mm -hmm. to say, no, hey, you need to look within yourself and say what you're going to do. You know, with this and life is not over. And that's another thing. Just because you fail, life is not over because you fail,
0: right?
1: Because you mess up life is not over because you didn't get that thing that you set out, you know, to do. And I also learned that sometimes it's not now, you know, right. And I think a funny thing going back to tie it all together is another synonym for count for an attorney is a counselor. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, okay, and I am a counselor. I'm just a different form of what that looks like, you know, right? And so just showing right that God does, you don't have a sense of humor, but I would tell people, don't be ashamed of your failures Mm -hmm. because that's a part of my story. That's a part of who I am. And it's made me who I am, but it also helps me connect with people because I'm not perfect. And I don't want anybody to think that I am you know, that way. So I can connect with people sometimes more through their failures than their successes. Mm. That. But, it, but it took me some time. So it wasn't like one of those things that I would tell you that I prayed, but it still took me some time. I would tell mm. you I was reading my Bible, but it still took me some time. I was going and involved in church, but it still took me some time because it was so much other stuff that God also had to work out of me that was also going on in my life at the same time that was just kind of running in the background And he started kind of dealing with all that, you know, together.
0: Okay. I did want to ask you this because I I want to talk about your practice some. So I think this is a good way to lead into that. You talked about, I think you said like low self-esteem and feeling like a failure. A lot of times they are roommates. Do you feel like many of your, your clients show up the same way?
1: And, and so the majority of my clientele is actually uh, Black working professional women, or Black mm-hmm. professional women. And I would say it disguises itself in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But the reason I know what it looks like is because it's in me. Mm-hmm. And so a spirit recognizes a spirit, even if it, it, it shows up in a different form. Mm-hmm. You know? and so, with some of my clients, some of them will say no, that they don't have low self esteem. And so, throughout us just starting to talk and in the process, They begin to connect, oh, wow, when I do these things here. And sometimes it may not be, you know, low self-esteem. It may be lack of Mm self-love. I think that they go together. I think low self-esteem and lack of self-love, they go together. Like, if you don't love yourself, it is Mm going to put you in a very low, you know, place. Because it's often said, our self-esteem has everything to do with how you estimate your worth. Mm-hmm. If you don't estimate your worth very well, then of course it is gonna put you, especially if you think you're very low, you know, if you um, not think of yourself well. So mm-hmm. I would say that that part, you know, really de- does really play a big part. And some people disguise it because they don't think it's okay to say that. Because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people that compass say, that's why sometimes you don't recognize that people are struggling with certain things because, you know, people period can be high functioning, Mm-hmm. And whatever they do that you don't even realize that they're struggling, you know, with that. And so I just try to create a space in my practice. I don't want you coming here with it all together. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, I don't want you to think that you have to pretend that it's good if it's not. Mm-hmm. so then as we build that relationship, it allows them that opportunity, you know, to, to bring that forth. But a lot of people struggle more than you know with low self-esteem. And it just shows up in different forms or different ways that you don't know. Some people think that you, it's how you carry yourself, how you dress, mm-hmm. you know? It, it may be what you say. Yeah. It may be, yeah. it, you know, and how you, how people, how you let people, you know, not having boundaries or how you let people, you know, you know, talk, you know, to you, it, you know, it, it could very well be, you know, from that inner dialogue with those things that you're saying in your mind. Other people don't know them, but all of that begins to you know show up in your choices that you make. A lot of times, that's how I can connect low self-esteem with where a person is, is with the choices that they're making or not making in their life.
0: So I did want to ask you this, because I saw on your website that you like to start with self-awareness. Is that why you like to start? Why is it important to start with self-awareness? How does that help? Is that just the starting ground? For sure. Because That was just interesting to me.
1: Because (laughs) a significant part of recovery is discovery. Mm -hmm. so in order for you to recover you need to discover something and so cover right c-o-v-e-r is in Mm -hmm. both of those words and we have so many things in our life that we've covered up Mm -hmm. and so one of the ways self-awareness plays into that is i can remove the covers. And I need to look at what is what is in there. Because sometimes we keep things in our life really comfortable and we mm-hmm. wonder why they don't move because we keep them covered. We got, you know, we buy an expensive comforter and you know we give it a really nice ride. You know, I have a weighted blanket that I would just throw out there just by way of just encouraging anybody. It's a blessing. If you don't have a weighted blanket, get you a weighted blanket in your life. I'm telling you to change your life for sure. But with that though, we kind of make those things in our life very comfortable because we keep them covered. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things with self-awareness is it begins to uncover those things. So you can become aware of self. Mm -hmm. So you can become aware of just not, not the outer part of you, but the inner part of you. And so, and when you can become aware, you can begin to make the changes necessary in your own life for you. But until you become aware, because most people live in denial. Mm -hmm. And so denial is normally the opposite of awareness. And so when you can, and some people are aware But then they don't care to do anything about it either. And I might say that may be some self-imposed ignorance when you're aware of something, but you choose not to change it. Mm -hmm. But for me, some people are not aware at all that how the, excuse me, how their relational patterns and just the patterns of their life, period, show up. And so through self-awareness, they start beginning to start connecting, you know, what those things are. And then they become more aware of just how they show up in space with other people. Just how, how how do you feel when you're talking to someone? How mm-hmm. do you feel when like someone's talking to you? What are you thinking about? Those are all parts of self-awareness. How do you behave, mm-hmm. you know, when you're around certain people? It's being more intentional of looking within. So you can see, okay, you know what? I noticed this about myself and that. And so it can be it can be many different ways it shows up. But for sure, one of the first things that I say that I like to to focus on is one being aware of self, because mm-hmm. then you can start making those changes you want to make. And not change other people tell you, you need to make.
0: That's true. Oh, that's good stuff. I did want to run this quote by you. I heard it. Oh, I either heard it or read it. Probably read it on Instagram. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs>
0: so stay on there. And it says, I saw this, uh, I saw this quote. It says, black women don't often recognize that they're struggling with depression or anxiety. Instead, they think they are failing based on your experiences you've been at this 15 years. Is that true? And if, if so, why?
1: So I, so I think yes and no. Mm-hmm. And I say yes and no, because it depends on cause failure is subjective. It mm-hmm. depends on how you define failure because some people define failure or failing is I'm not doing what the next person's doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm failing or I'm not living up to what my parents wanted me to do so I'm failing or I'm not living up to what society wants me to do so that so I was feeling so I was number one say you know what is your definition of failing right and so if, if you believe you should be or would like to be somewhere else in life and you're not that's one thing but if you but the other part is you very well may be in the very place you want to be or where you need to be and I'm and I'm convinced of that where a person is right now is where you're supposed to be if you're supposed to be somewhere else you will be somewhere You know, right? So I think part of that is is that part of it too. Also embracing failure. I think a lot of people. Well, let me say this. One of my fears was fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Because thing often we fear we don't face. And so I think part of that is knowing that it's a part of life. And what are you telling yourself about when it shows up? But one of the ways is uh, black women. It becomes an overcompensation. Mm. I got to do more. It shows up in a superwoman syndrome. Mm-hmm. It shows up in a strong black woman, you know, syndrome because no one is going to see me, you know, break. No one's going to see me weak. No one's going to see me, you know, fragile. No one's going to see me vulnerable, you know, right? And so I think part of that is out of protection. Mm-hmm. You're trying to protect yourself. And so because of that, you really create this whole persona that's not even you to begin with because you want people to believe this about you. Instead of saying, if they did think this about me, would they change their mind? If they know I failed at something, would they look at me, you know, any differently, right? And so, and another thing, often why it's misdiagnosed in Black women, it doesn't look like the, if you will, the the, the standard from the DSM-5 that we use to to help us diagnose, um, you know, individuals, depending on what symptoms are. Because Black women, our symptoms show up as being tired. Oh,
2: yeah. The, the
1: tiredness of, you know, but... But we keep working so much, you don't even know retired. It shows up in exhaustion. Mm -hmm. It shows up in overperformance. It can show up in, you know, lack of sleep. It shows up in being self-critical, putting oneself down. So it has different ways of showing up that you might not even think, well, hey, that sounds like, you know, depression, because she might be able to sleep. And sometimes sleeping can be a part of it. Or you think that she lacks motivation. Most of the time black women don't. They out here, they 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 on their grind and they doing what they have to do, but then they cry themselves to sleep at night.
0: Listen. Or no one, snapping no one, on people.
1: That that's another and, and so with that, it's often believed that depression is anger turned inward. Oh. So it's so, so so most people that do that, that means that they probably have some unaddressed symptoms or areas of their life where they're experiencing depression and they have just showed, because anger is one of those emotions that most people just accept mm-hmm. and then people justify why they're angry. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand, you know, why this happened to me. You don't understand my trauma. You don't want to, like, all this is like, it's not that the problem is you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so, because you don't understand it, you're taking out on everyone else around you. And so if you stopping and saying, Hey, what's going on with me? Because that is also though a symptom of, you know, snapping on people, you know, of, of course your relationship with other people getting along with other people those can all be parts of um not returning phone calls avoiding people
0: <laughs> those I'm are laughing because things- I'm like man listen you you on my street <laughs> and I go to therapy I'll be like she be like it's okay to cry I'm like no it's not <laughs> yes and I have a, and she,
1: she's like you know one of my clients she teases me So I'm going to get, I'm going to have to get some stock in Kleenex food with you because every session I come here and I use a whole box of of Kleenex, but I often tell people or my clients, I should say, crying is cleansing. Mm. And sometimes you're crying because of all the times that you didn't cry when you needed to cry. Oh yeah, yeah. And so, and so, and it's a way of just letting it out. But also I believe that tears have a purpose. Your tears have meaning. And so asking yourself, what do these tears mean? Mm-hmm. Because the Bible tells us that God keeps all of our tears in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Not one of our, we will never share one tear that God doesn't know about. And so that becomes something right that we don't have. And it, because it seems like it's a weakness. Mm-hmm. So what, I even had a client to say that she's like, I cry, but I don't cry in front of the people. Because I don't want other people to know.
0: I'm with. That,
1: that that's hurting me or that's getting to me. And so she would say that some of the, I cry in the shower. <laughs> because i don't want no one to know that i'm crying but guess what mm-hmm. your tears matter they need to be seen and so so you're still continuing to hide your pain
0: mm-hmm. or still- you you hide it or you cry typically when you're mad like you don't move me to the point where i got mad and i'm crying now i'm really mad because you don't make me cry and so and so tears can be different things than right when we think yeah. about
1: people made you know it was really something in you that went yeah to. And in that space, it was like, "Hey, I'm just doing it, even though." And sometimes people like they can't even control it because it's like, mm-hmm. some they you know they kind of be you know strong out of a mm-hmm. sudden out of nowhere, and it's not an intention for me anyway to so try to, if you will, break my clients down to make them cry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's okay to cry. Yeah, things life will do that. so yeah. some things, some some trauma, some experiences, you know, are, are tearful. They just they just cause those 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 tears to be just you know shed in life. And it's okay, but I also think we have to change the narrative. Yes, of how we see people crying and what we say to people that cry. Even with our, you know, you know, young black boys when they're growing up, they're told that they can't cry. Hey, suck it up, toughen it mm-hmm. up. And so then, and then when when they grow up and they have a lack of emotional intelligence, you wonder why, mm-hmm. because they were not able to get in touch with that emotional side of themselves as well as young girls growing up. You know, right? Too if you're not allowed to, if you're not given the opportunity to learn about your emotions. How do you know what to do with them? And mm-hmm. sometimes tears is a behavior and all behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'm crying because I'm trying to communicate something that words just came.
0: Yeah. True. Oh, that's good. You talk about too on your site about trying to hit, get people to smile. So in the opposite of tears, talk about how the behavior of smiling would benefit your clients or benefit people in general.
1: And so one of the ways is that smiling has a lot of um ways that it it just helps your overall, you know, health. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I encourage, you know, clients to is find something to smile about. Whatever mm-hmm. that and it may be one thing in your life that that's going on, but like find a reason, you know, to you know, to smile, but then asking too, when's the last time you smiled? Mm-hmm. And so you know what? Well, some of the reasons, sometimes the reason why some people don't smile is because they say, I don't like my smile.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't like how my, you know, uh, how my teeth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know look, right? It's don't, you know, somebody may have made fun of me, you know, you know, when I smile. And so I think part of it is being able to own your smile because a, your smile is a light. And so it's often said, yeah, I've heard the quote, if someone doesn't have a smile, give them yours. Oh. Because sometimes in life, that really is healing for people. And I'll say this, when I was on my way, when I was in grad school, I was on my way to class and me and the Lord was kind of having a conversation. I really wasn't in a good place. I really want to stop grad school. So me and him having this whole conversation, It's another female walking toward me in the opposite direction. And literally while we were talking, he stopped, he said, smile. You just, I don't even know, you just want me to, to randomly smile or something? I'm like, this is just the silliest thing ever. And so I'm like, okay, so we, I'm kind of like going back and forth, for a guy like arguing with him, and and so as I'm, I'm still walking, she's still walking. Then we mm-hmm. get to the point where we meet eyes, and I smile, I'm like, okay, and she stopped me,
2: mm-hmm. and she
1: said, you don't know how much I needed that. Mm-hmm. And so even with that, because a smile can lift someone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It can encourage, you know, someone, and then even, and then she started smiling. She was actually a black female too. She started smiling, you know, and then because sometimes people smile because you're smiling, yeah, you know. Right? But part of it is just, you know, allowing yourself the opportunity to uh, to tap into that space within you of saying, "Hey, you know what?" Because smiling also allows for gratitude.
0: Mm-hmm. We all at
1: least have one thing to be grateful for, so whatever. That is. So even if you don't do them, but smile because you woke up today, or smile because you like how your hair you know, pop in a smile because you like the color on your nails or, you know, you know, smile because, hey, I'm alive or everything is going, you know, my family is okay. So really, and, and I do that in sometimes in humor, because mm-hmm. I like, I believe that that's, you know, it's good medicine, as the Bible tells us. And so I find reasons to laugh in therapy. If mm-hmm. something comes up, if it's funny, we gonna laugh about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another way of smiling is incorporating, you know, laughter, because it's kind of hard to uh laugh and not smile in the process mm. of you know laughter That's so, true. so i interweave you know laughter you know in there and sometimes it's even learning to laugh at yourself yes <laughs> what do, what do you do out there doing that boy you just be like you know what you sure right. So, <laughs> so some of those ways are you know learning to, to help them find ways of smiling what would help you smile again
2: mm-hmm.
1: when did you lose your smile mm-hmm. what what made your smile go away you know, in a sense of like, you know, I don't even, you know, know. And so sometimes we we spend time in that space, you know, just getting them uh, becoming self-aware of what mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, look like. And then, you know, leading them into a place of knowing that it's okay to smile. And somebody's like, you can't be that happy all the time and not letting people steal your joy. Because mm-hmm. sometimes because other people not in a good place. You people don't want to walk around smiling because I don't want to be smiling. If my life is going well and you sitting up here and it's like, you know, no, don't be, don't be ashamed to share your smile don't be ashamed to smile if life is you know you know it's going well for you and sometimes you got to smile even in the midst of when it's mm-hmm. not you know going well for you because just because you know it's going to get better you know for you so so some of that is kind of in, intertwined as we talk um throughout our time together you know in counseling and we kind of talk about some of those benefits that smiles give you
0: I love that and it made me think about when we were quarantined. You know, it was a time period there. I was, it it was just odd. I don't even know why I thought about it. It was like, you know, I ain't laughed in a good two, three months. What is going on? You don't realize that because it was such a scary time. So I just took time and went on Netflix and watched stand-up comedy shows to make myself laugh, put myself in a good mood. So I I did want to ask you about the connection between physical, health and mental health does mental health actually impact your physical health positively or negatively either way in what ways
1: yes and so we are interconnected beings and Mm. so in some ways we're triune beings because how god made us right we have mind you know body um and spirit uh or or soul and so with that thinking about what that looks like and so if it's a breakdown in one it's going to be a breakdown in the other areas you know, too. And so from a mental standpoint, let's say for instance, that oftentimes when it comes to people living a healthy life, it starts with your mind. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I'm already in my mind saying, hey, the choices that I make, um, that all of that affects my physical health. And most of the time they feed off of each other. Like for example, in, in the black community, especially depression and diabetes are, are connected. They're, they have a correlation. And mm-hmm. so with that, we know that depression is a mental health disorder or a brain disorder, if you will. And we know that diabetes is a more physical or medical, you know, but both of them are in the medical field, but it's more of a physical, um, if Damn you will. It. Right, hmm And so with that, when a person is depressed, they eat a lot of things that they don't need to eat. When you eat a lot of things you don't need to eat, now your blood pressure, I mean, now your diabetes may be all you know, out of whack, or I tell people growing up, they used to call it sugar. I didn't know that sugar and diabetes meant the same thing growing up until later on in life. But then now, so now that's out of control. Now you're depressed. Mm-hmm. And so it off of each other. But when you start working on one, you also help the other. And just even exercise is just good for your mental health because of just your, your mind, you know, anyways. And then, of course, what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with your physical activity as well. If you if you kind of not speaking well or not thinking well, then guess what's going to line up? What you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so your mind has everything to do with what you think. The physical side has everything to what you do,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so what you're thinking will always affect what you're doing. So your thinking and your acting they go together, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to if you want to change what you're doing, you have to change how you think. And so mm-hmm. some people go at the opposite way, and they try to change you know what they're doing and think it's going to change what they're thinking. And sometimes it doesn't really work out like that. So so yes, they are connected together. And so when you when you start working on one you automatically help the other eye and you just pick. Cause some people say, Hey, I'm not really ready to deal with that mental stuff yet, but I'm ready. To, I, I don't mind going to work out. And so they can do, they sort there. Some people say, Hey, you know what? I ain't gonna be able to do all that weightlifting right now, but I don't mind, <laughs> going, you know, you know, the therapy, but, but part of that is being not, not only just physically fit, but mentally fit. Mm-hmm. too. Cause you have a, a lot of people that are physically fit, but they're overweight in their mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, people you know who who may be mentally fit but they may be overweight in their body and so both of those right are not congruent so you want to find a way of balancing you know those who are in your life what that looks like you know for you to be healthy for you to be well whatever that may entail for yourself but yes they they are both connected together for sure
0: okay i did want to ask this question because when i was a kid we used to hear you know especially being a gen xer mental health and therapy, these conversations are newer for us. Definitely more new for us than our parents. Our parents didn't have this. And so they often you will hear women talk about other women, girl, you know she had a, a nervous breakdown. Like for real? You know, and so you get this image in your mind of somebody that's just done, they walking around, you know, all mine not there, cause you know their nerves got bad. we just that's what we called it and so then one day I was thinking I'm wondering if that really was a thing (laughs) and if it is still a thing or what is what would we call that now what would a nervous breakdown look like today So, so can you explain that
1: and so most of the time really Today, right, we we we're giving language to what was being experienced back
2: then, mm-hmm.
1: and so they said nervous breakdown, but what that person could have been experiencing was um, symptoms of depression.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they've been having an anxiety, you know, attack, you know, and so with that, some of that, you know, it's because if for us as as a black uh, culture, mental health or mental illness has not been something that has been well received because of how it's presented to us back during slavery days when the slaves wanted to be free, they were told that there was something wrong with them for wanting to be free. And there was a term coined at that time called drapedomania that said that they thought that they were, it was something wrong with them because they wanted to be free from slavery. And so you started, so then they literally started institutionalizing them because they wanted to be free. Mm -hmm. And so now you can imagine it. So it was often said that black, black people wouldn't know what to do with freedom. So we must control them. We must contain them. And so therefore they're wanting to be free. You know, it's something wrong with that. So I want to be free, but these people telling me, I, I don't know how to be free. These things are not, you know, you know catching up and then being put to institutions, being given medication mm. or not giving medication or not being treated, you know, properly. It really did leave a very, if you will, nasty taste in the mouth of a lot of, you know, black and brown, you know, people because of how, Uh, one was treated, you know, and so it goes all the way back to like the late 17, you know, hundreds and just the mistreatment of of black people. And that's true. And that that did happen, right? That's part of history. But one things we can learn from our history, and some of those things are not true today. And some of those things still may be going on as far as a person's experience. But I say, I said all that to say is that sometimes we continue holding on to the past from the history standpoint that we don't allow ourselves to come to the present and say, hey, but I need help.
0: And so mm-hmm. it's something
1: called post-traumatic slave disorder. It's actually a book.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard of it before. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, and they, it talks a lot about it. And so we as people of color, we have historical traumas that we have just, just dealing with slavery that we never talked about. And so if if my if my great-great-great-great-great grandma or grandfather never got help, and then now they had a child, and then they that child does, and then that child has a child, and that child has a child, it becomes generational. You know, right. Mm-hmm. And so it does make sense because all you know is people can make sense of nerves because we all say you getting on my nerves. So people understood that down would, would infer that that person is not in, in a good place. You know, right. So so what they were meaning by it, for sure, it was very accurate. But the language that they were using, you know, maybe not as much because we all do have a nervous system and certain things when our nervous system becomes activated, it can affect what we're doing, what we're thinking and how we're actually, you know, mm-hmm. feeling. And so some of it is education. Some of it is, you know, awareness about actually what's happening and really saying what it is and not, you know, calling it something else and saying, you know, for example, you know, your uncle crazy. No, uncle, uncle got bipolar. Uncle, got, Because that's because uncle really has a medical issue. issue. Really has something going on. And it's just not something you snap out of you know, right, you know, you know, when your, your mom would just go missing, or you don't really see her for, you know, for days, you know, time, interesting, people normally collectively didn't have a problem talking about drug abuse, mm-hmm. but when it came to mental issues, it was like one of those things, don't touch it, don't, don't say anything, you know, about, it. I think because we're becoming more aware and saying, hey, you know what, it's more common than not, and all of us, whether we will be diagnosed with not, all of us will have moments where we are depressed, all of us will have moments and times that we have, you know, anxiety. It doesn't mean it becomes to the point that it's diagnosable. But I think part of that is knowing it and calling it what it is. Because when you can name it, you can do something about it. Yeah. You know. right? And so if a person needs help, it's okay for that person to get the help that they need. But the other part, right? Because stigma and all those things kind of intertwine you know, twine with that. And it was some of it was really real. You know, the fear of your child being taken away or you being put. You know in a, in a mental hospital because you reached out and wanted to ask you know someone you know perhaps. So i think the more dialogue we have around you know the topic and really start calling what it is what it is it does become you know important to be able to start calling it you mm-hmm. know that's so giving language so i think i think we have a better we have a better understanding mm-hmm. so that's how we know what it is depression it's anxiety My think or maybe bipolar it could be you know schizophrenia could be adjustment disorder. It could be many, you know, other parts. I think back then that they may didn't have the language. But
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: what they were when they were actually seeing, you know, those things most of the time when a person had a nervous breakdown, they would go to the mental hospital. Yeah. But if... they wouldn't say they were to the mental hospital, they would say they're on vacation. <laughs> and so you would think growing up for me, I was like, Well, I want to go on vacation. I didn't really know that that wasn't really vacation, but that's how they presented it. Yeah. You know, they just gone away, you know, for a little bit, they'll be back, but they'll <laughs> talked about they'll leave and they'll just show back up mm-hmm. and no conversation even happened surrounding that but it affects every, it affects whoever's involved it don't just affect the person it affects the family you know as well and so i think more conversation being open and honest about what you're experiencing it does um help because most of the time nervous breakdown also is connected to suicide when oh, they said yeah. that they were trying to harm themselves you know in some kind of way too and so they didn't call it suicide they said it was a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do believe that those things were present, and they maybe didn't have the language to use at that they
0: identified. Time. And then, like you said, we're becoming more aware. And I think, at least this is my uh, anecdotal <laughs> assessment. I'm not a professional, but it seems like we're aware of therapy, and we know it's okay to go, at least for Black women, but we don't go. Mm -hmm. So what do you think black women are still hit? At least uh, I think millennials are more so open to going Mm -hmm. Gen X, baby boomers, not as much. So what would you, why do you think that we are that way still? We're still hesitant. Is it the historical trauma? And what would you say to someone who is still sitting on the fence about going like, I know I need to go, but I hadn't made that appointment yet. Okay.
1: (laughs) And so, uh, you know, with that, um, it, it could be, you know, like, what am I afraid of?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so some of it's just having, you know, a conversation, you know, about, uh, you know, what is taking, you know, place, what is going on, uh, in your life. Some of it can be due to a prior experience. Cause you may have known someone who, um, had a not, not so good experience in counseling. And that is very, uh, possible. Unfortunately, you may have went your gone yourself and it just, just didn't work out you know, for you and sometimes for black women, depending on, unfortunately, because it's just uh, a statistic that a lot of black women are single mothers. Mm-hmm. So raising, especially if we're talking about older, maybe not so much, you know, your your young adults, but but more probably persons, you know, mothers that are, you know, baby boomers and, you know, and probably up until, you know, Gen X or a lot of those are single or single mothers or, or you know, have had some experience with or know someone. And so who got time for that? hmm i ain't got time to go to counseling i gotta be able to feed my family i gotta be able to do this i gotta be able to, and so when, when am i gonna fit in i gotta try to sleep for a couple of hours so when you think i'm gonna fit in counseling so i think some of it has to do with um the demands that they just have in their life mm-hmm. um while they they don't but i will say even with that it becomes important to choose you because you can't pour from an empty cup and if you're not well eventually um, you, I'm saying the people in your life are not going to be well either. So you do have to take the time to take care of yourself. And sometimes counseling may be too overwhelming at first. So mm-hmm. I tell people, Hey, get, being starting a support group, you know, one of those things. And so, and see what that is, you know, uh, you know, life and what that experience, you know, maybe I also encourage individuals who are on the fence. Hey, go to, you know, go to, um, ask people in your life because some people are open. That's why I think it's important for us to be open open about therapy because i often tell people they become shocked but i'm a therapist but i go to therapy Mm -hmm. and i absolutely love my therapist right so some of it's just talking about hey i go to therapy you do Mm -hmm. that allows someone else just that conversation of what you think about it and so i think some of them we're more open with sharing with others if if we're experiencing we've had a you know a a good experience with it but i also tell people hey go to um directories because there's many different counseling directories out there most of them um, have pictures, profile pictures, and most of them have something about themselves. Mm-hmm. read. And sometimes people say, you know, a pictures are worth a thousand words, see if any of that connects with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just about taking a risk because sometimes in life, you know what? that's really faith. Faith right is you know what? The evidence of things you know, not seeing. you don't see it, but you know you need it. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's just really about it stepping out on faith and just saying, hey, my life ain't doing what it needs to do. And I know something else. And, and I often tell people, even if you think your life is well, just go for a maintenance check to find out if it's good, if it's good, then it's good. But often people find that it might not be as good or maybe some areas. And, and, and you don't have to go to counseling because life is just terrible. And mm-hmm. it's, it could be, I, I just want an objective opinion. I just want to have someone in a space that I can just talk to that I could just be me. I don't have to be mom. I don't have to be boss. I don't have to be wife. I don't have to be girlfriend. I don't have to be daughter. I don't to, I can just get to show up as me. Mm-hmm. And so therapy is just that it gives you that space to show up as, as you, as you are. And it and is about you. You get that time to be selfish. And I think that that's another reason sometimes, you know, black women know because who do I think I am going to get help for myself when I could be doing all this and all that? Finances could also play a part because it does cost to go to therapy, but I also tell people you got insurance, so mm-hmm. if you got insurance, use it, you know, to pay for therapy, as well as, you know, if you are working, you have, your employer has often, you know, employee assistance program, use that. So so you have a lot of tools that you can use to start with to see. hey, you know what, let me try to see, but I would just tell people, be willing to get out the boat, and you will really be surprised um, at what happens, but I also will tell you, Tracy, the, the right fit does matter. That, mm-hmm. that's a big not, not all therapists are created equal so you know you do need to find the right fit and when you find the right fit listen it it, it just it's just like you know hand in glove it just works and sometimes it takes a few times mm-hmm. you know almost people say you got to kiss a few frogs before you find the prince sometimes that's the same concept you know when it comes to therapy but i would tell people don't give up choosing you you're worth it that's the form of helping take care of yourself just going to therapy at whatever rate, if that's weekly, if it's bi-weekly, if it's monthly, you know, if it's every three months, whatever that may be for you, but just giving yourself the opportunity of just investing yourself so you can be well. And so you can live a fulfilled life and whatever that may look like for you.
0: Okay. You mentioned faith. I do want to talk about Christianity and counseling because I'm listen. I'm a missionary Baptist through and through. And we are slowly, you know, as a a culture, not any specific churches, but I think slowly we are coming around to incorporating Christianity with ministry (laughs) and, you know, healing. Because what we hear is, girl, just pray about it. You're going to be all right. God got you. Yes, he does. (laughs) However... (laughs) So I did want you to talk about what do you say to believers who still say that? You know, I might go to my, you know, somebody, a friend that's a Christian, say, girl, I'm depressed, blah, blah, blah. You know, don't speak that over your life. Just pray about it. Yada, yada. How do you how do you respond to that? How should we respond to that? And I'm not knocking prayer. I'm a firm believer in prayer. Oh, for sure.
1: (laughs) No, I know exactly where you're going. No, it makes a lot of sense. And so I often just you know, start asking people if, if you had a toothache, would you just pray about it?
0: I'm going to go get that ambulance. Off. Okay. We'll go to the dentist.
1: Dennis. Okay. If you had something medically going on, if you broke your leg, would mm-hmm. you tell somebody, hey, just, you know, pray about it. If you was in a major car accident, you know, and you needed medical treatment, would you just tell someone to go home and just pray about it? And the reason, and the, and the part about it is, is that, most of these things that I just named, they're physical. You can see them. They're visible. When people are struggling on the inside, that's invisible. You can't see that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's easy for people to just say, pray about it because then it often excuses you for having, having to do the work too. Mm-hmm. And so some people just don't want to work. And they just rather say, hey, just pray about it. But what happens though, because I, there's a story in the Bible that says, hey, if your brother or sister comes to you or someone needs something and you don't sit away, hey, just pray. If you can meet the need, the Bible said, "Give them something to eat. Mm-hmm. And it say pray that they got some food. It said, no, if you go in your house, get some out your old pantry and feed it to them. And so I think when it comes to that, some of it is, it is prayer. And I tell people, pray while you go into therapy. Pray mm-hmm. on your way there. Pray, you know, pray before the session. begins. some, you know, some therapists and they incorporate therapy in, I mean, not therapy, but prayer into um, their session. If there's something that the client, you know, uh, seeks to do. But yeah, I do. But I think also through prayer, God will also tell you to go to therapy. So I think in part of that very well be where you open, you know, to that because prayer is a weapon that God gives to the believer to fight. And he also gives us therapists to help us because some of that stuff we need to just clean up. We got to clean up this in there because Jesus, right? We know one of um, his uh, descriptors, he's a wonderful counselor.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we know he's left people on earth to do his bidding as counselors. And so some things you're not gonna get delivered from in church, it's gonna be through therapy. Some stuff you're from in church, it's gonna be therapy, but I do believe it's important to have an anointed therapist. I do believe, you know, you know, and God can use whoever though, I will say, it don't matter if it's a believer or a non-believer, God can use, use whomever he will to get, you know, uh, his work done in the earth. But I would just often just tell people, you know, when it comes to that, that sometimes we just say that because that's all we knew. All we know, I should say. And then we just afraid. We just scared because what people gonna think about me if I'm going to you know therapy and I'm a leader of a church. What people gonna think about me if I'm doing these things? And I tell people, you need to think about you. Mm Let's not worry about what other people are thinking about you because you need to be well. And the Bible speaks about us being well in our mind all the time. And sometimes you need a professional that's trained to help you do to help you do that. So, yeah, I do believe in praying. I do believe in reading the Bible. Those are things that are very important to me just in my own life, but not everything is demonic. Some things are really a disorder. Some things are just really, is not something that, you know, a person may need medication to help Mm -hmm. them balance out what is actually happening, you know, you know, in in their mind. So I do believe that God does decide in many different ways how he chooses to heal people. Some Mm -hmm. is through prayer. Some is through going to therapy. I don't know which one yours may be, and some may be both. Mm -hmm. i think both of them can exist together and you can actually get i think a a better outcome and not thinking they they have to be two separate things but seeing them being you know on one coin just the opposite side you know Mm -hmm. of the coin but they go together though for
0: sure (laughs) okay i just have a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up and (laughs) i'm gonna get you out of here okay um someone comes to you for the first time what should they expect
1: they should expect of someone that welcomes them mm-hmm. they should expect someone that sees them someone that cares um, about them someone who wants to hear their story someone who is non-judgmental uh someone who is also living this thing called life and realizes sometimes it does uh become really um you know difficult you know, um, at times, they they can they can expect uh, a warm space, a space of knowing that hey, whatever you bring here in this space, that you're safe here. And then they can I can also expect you know bravery, being able to you know help them uh, be able to you know conquer whatever those things are that they you know come to there for you know coming to therapy for. Um, they can expect someone is going to be truthful because I'm not one of those people who beat around the bush or. You know, I'm a very direct person, but I believe that the truth is what sets you, what makes us free. So they can, they can, they can know a person's going to be honest, you know, with them. They're going to, laughter will be, you know, a part of it, but just most of all, just allowing, allowing them the opportunity to move at their pace. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to to rush you, but also someone who's going to challenge you, you know, as well to, to look within and to look within, henceforth, my the, my private practice, transformation begins within. And so what they can expect is, is from that first session, transformation is starting. Oh, okay. i even coming and just even scheduling the appointment that they're already transforming, even when they don't even see it themselves. Mm. They can expect someone to give them feedback, someone to applaud and praise them on, on the small and the large, you know, uh, if you will, win, you know, and successes. They can expect someone that accepts them, Mm -hmm. you know, just as, just as they are, as they show up, but they also can expect someone who wants to help them get to where they say that they want, you know, to be in life as well. So they can, they will have someone with them on this journey, um, called life, um, coming to in this space with me.
0: No, I love that. Okay. Final question. What are your final thoughts? What's your advice that you would give someone about this the pursuit of being better mentally.
1: Okay. Um, I would say that that change is um is scary, growth um is scary, but nothing is more scarier than staying in a space that you don't belong in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, I would say that even though it may seem like um it's impossible, you don't think what can a person do? How can they help me? I would say just be willing to give it a try. You know, you may really be surprised at the difference that it makes, but I think it makes you better when you get help. And when you're able to ask for help, that means that you recognize your limitations. You recognize, hey, this is something that I need assistance with. And that actually shows that you're more stronger than you know. And that at the end of the day, that the light will shine again. Your life can get better. It will, you know, get better. And sometimes you just need someone to help you when your light is out. You just need someone else to lean over to help you, you know, light your, if you will, your candle, you know, again. So don't be afraid. I would just say to anyone, don't be afraid, whoever you are, to, to reach out for help. Get the help that you need because you deserve it. And I would tell individuals to choose yourself. You've been choosing everyone else. Now it's time to choose you. And then, because that's the first person you need to love is yourself. And if loving yourself means going to therapy and working through some of those things, do that. You deserve
0: that. Okay. Take care of yourself. Okay. I love it. Okay. Before you get out of here, first, I want to say thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I, you know, I just feel like I got a little bit better understanding and I'm, you know, blessed for the day because, again, it was a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope this touches someone who's been on the fence about, you know, making that move to to heal themselves it's all about healing so you know if I can help somebody by having you on with this podcast I would do that but also now you can't say I don't know a therapist because you've heard one on my show so you should reach out to Alice Ward and schedule an appointment (laughs) so before you get out here we're gonna play a a game I kind of stole it from another podcast I listened to you're gonna pick one of the other
1: Okay, I got
0: All you. Right, so Walmart or Target? Target. Okay. Costco or Sam's? Sam's. Okay. Jill Scott or Erica Badu?
1: Erica Badu.
0: <laughs> Michael Jackson or Prince?
1: Let me go with Michael.
0: Okay. Barbecue or a crab boil?
1: Barbecue.
0: Okay. Buy You Classic or Gram the PV Weekend.
1: Buy You Classic.
0: <laughs> All right. When your life is over, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: That I let someone know that they were not alone in this life.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you again for coming. Where
1: can people find you? You can go to my website at transformingmindsets.com. All my information is there. Some other some other podcasts are there. An article I've been is there. You can get client testimonies and all that stuff. So go to transformingmindsets.com. It's with an S after mind um sets. Get all the information you need. You can read about me and so forth and reach out uh, to me if I can be of um use or even just you know connecting you with someone um who can. If I'm not able to, I do try to make sure that I refer um, clients to someone else who can assist them though. Cause I don't want you just to stop going. If I can't help you, you know, I will do my best to connect you with someone that will though, but yeah, go there and check it out and holla at your girl.
0: <laughs> Transformingmindsets.com. Make sure you guys reach out. I'll have the link in the description box and that's it. Thanks. And have a good day. well that's it everybody i hope you enjoyed the show make sure to follow me on social media you can find me on instagram at tracy j cass you can find me on facebook at author tracy j cass be sure to visit my web website tracy and sign up for my newsletter to get exclusive content also Make sure to subscribe, share with a friend and give me a five star review. That's it. See you all next week. Have a great day.